The first word of the first step is we. It is often said this is a we program. What does that really mean? How do we find recovery from sharing our experience, strength, and hope? Welcome to episode 139 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Michelle. She used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Michelle, for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with a seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. So today we're going to talk about what does it mean that this is a WE program. But before we begin, we'd like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to this topic. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. I was inspired to this topic by a verse of a poem. The poem is titled, The Low Road. It's by Marge Piercy. I'll put a link in the show notes. And the, uh, the last verse says, It goes on one at a time. It starts when you care to act. It starts when you do it again, and they said no. It starts when you say we, and you know who you mean, and each day you mean one more. When I heard that, it uh, was not in a recovery context, but I thought, uh-oh, well, there's the al program, because we come into the program and, and we say we, and we know who we mean eventually, and we are carrying the message to others, so we continue to mean one more, one more person finding recovery. So I wanted to talk about we and what it means to be a we program. The first thing that you might notice is that the first step starts with the word we. Sometimes that's not obvious to us, but it does. It says we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And that inclusive language helps us to know that even when we're admitting our powerlessness, that we're not alone. But I believe that, in fact, all the steps really start with we. The word's not there in the written steps, but if you look at the language of the step, and look at step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves, ourselves, could restore us to sanity. Well, that that clearly needs a we at the front. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. We made a fearless and moral inventory of ourselves, and so on. So they all they all have we in them. And in the AA Big Book, right before the steps, it says, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. And I like that language because it suggests that there are others who have gone before me, who have found these steps to lead to recovery, that this is not something that I'm being asked to try in isolation. It's not something that I'm being asked to try without knowing that it can work because the the we that have come before me know that it works because it, it worked for, for us. A little bit twisted there. It worked for them. And as I become part of the we, I can believe that they will work for me as well. And so they're stated, they're stated in the past tense and they're stated as something that we did that brought us to recovery, suggested as a program of recovery. So right there, even when we just start with the steps, it's a we program because we're not alone. We're not setting off onto a journey into unknown territory. We're following we're following a path that many others have followed before us. And we might our path might not be exactly the same, but we're going in the same direction and we have the same milestones along the way. And we might we might take longer on one segment of the path than another, but we're not alone and it's not new territory to everybody. Might be new to us. But others have been there and they assure us that even when we seem like we're lost in the woods, we are heading in a direction 
that will bring recovery, will bring serenity, will bring maybe happiness even to our lives. And in the AA Big Book, in the foreword, it talks about more directly about how this another way in which this is a we program. And the, the foreword says, at its core, it remains simple and personal. Each day, somewhere in the world, recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic, sharing experience, strength, and hope. That's one of the the legs of the triangle that, that make up the program. There's recovery, unity, and service. And the unity of the fellowship, the the one Al-Anon talking with another Al-Anon about our experience, strength, and hope, about his experience, strength, and hope, about her experience, strength, and hope, is the guts of of what makes, I believe, what makes this program work. It, it's what takes... It's what takes I and you and turns it into we, that we share directly with each other. What has happened, What, where we've been, and, and how we have found a path out of, out of the despair, out of the hopelessness, out of the fear, out of the anger, uh, into a better way of living, into recovery. In Al-Anon, we know who we mean when we say we. Because we have written traditions that tell us who we are. And tradition three, in tradition three, it says the only requirement for membership is that there be a problem of alcoholism in a relative or friend. And to expand on this, I'm going to read a little bit from what is written about tradition three in our book, How Elanon Works. Our goal as a fellowship is clear. We exist for the sole purpose of helping those affected by the family disease of alcoholism. In this case, the word relatives, the word relatives in, in the uh, tradition itself, relatives and friends, a problem of alcoholism in a relative or friend. Sorry, coming back to the reading. In this case, the word relatives designates not only those related by blood, but any of us who have had a relationship of some sort with an alcoholic. Regardless of personal creed, economic status, sexual orientation, or religious background, anyone who has been affected by another's drinking is welcome in our fellowship. And to me, there's a very clear statement there of who we are. We are those people who have been affected by somebody else's drinking. And I actually personally add to that or drugging or other addictive behavior because what I have seen in my years in the program as I've seen people come into the program for a number of reasons is that we are all very similarly affected, whether whatever the drug of choice, whether the drug of choice of our loved one is alcohol or heroin or sex or gambling. Um, the effects on us are very similar. And while if your loved one's drug of choice is something other than alcohol, you may also find some understanding in another fellowship of the particulars related to that addiction. Um, the recovery from those those effects is something that I believe Al-Anon can help with. So I, I extend that statement a little further. The reading continues, It is not always easy for newcomers to know whether or not they belong. Many of us had to overcome years of denial before we even suspected that alcoholism existed in our families. And again, personally, that was true for me. I knew that my wife drank too much, but I was not ready. I did not understand alcoholism well enough to actually put that label on her. Um, And I think there was shame for me associated with, with that label. And so I resisted it. I denied it. I just thought she needed to drink normally. But I was affected, and I came, I came to Al-Anon not completely, even at that point, comfortable with this notion that my wife was alcoholic. Um, but I came because I needed help, and I found it. And the reading continues. All we knew at first was that we identified strongly with the feelings we heard expressed in meetings and that we felt at home. Without having been part of an Al-Anon group, we might never have realized that we had been affected by this disease. Had anyone demanded that we justify our participation in an Al-Anon group, we probably couldn't have done so. Fortunately, 
it is left to us to decide for ourselves in our own time whether or not we are qualified for membership. Thus, even if they feel uncertain about whether or not they are in the right place, newcomers are always welcome in Al-Anon. So we know who we mean. We, we say we, and we know who we mean. And newcomers are welcome. There's always room for one more. And although we don't go out and proselytize, we definitely welcome newcomers and encourage them to keep coming back until they can decide for themselves whether, whether Al-Anon is for them. We can decide for ourselves whether Al-Anon is for us. Another tradition that talks about knowing, knowing who we are and, and welcoming the newcomers in is Tradition 5, where it in part says welcoming families of alcoholics as one of the things that is our, how we achieve our aim of bringing recovery to people who have been affected by someone else's drinking. And again, here's a bit of the reading about Tradition 5 from How Al-Anon Works. There may be no better reminder of what we are attempting to achieve in Al-Anon than the painful struggle of someone who needs help with an alcoholic situation. Uh, Again, I'm going to pause and look at that sentence because what that sentence says to me is that even, even if I've been here for a long time, even if I'm living a life in recovery, I'm still here because of the newcomer. I'm still here because of the person who needs to hear the message. There's no better reminder of what we are attempting to achieve than the painful struggle of someone who needs help. So we are also not just people in recovery, but we are people who help others find that recovery that we have found. And how do we do that? Well, uh, it says, Al-Anon exists for the sole purpose of helping such families and friends of alcoholics. Our groups carry out this purpose by giving a warm welcome to newcomers and by giving love, comfort, and support to anyone who seeks it. We try to appreciate what a privilege it is to contribute to a fellow member's freedom from the desperation and despair that accompany alcoholism. When any of us is healed, we all heal a little. And there it is. It's we heal. Individually, we heal, but as a fellowship, we heal because we are in it. We are in it together. And this word fellowship, this word fellowship, I, I have an electronic edition of this text, How Al-Anon Works, which is available for Kindle at least. Uh, I found it on Amazon. It may be available in other electronic forms as well. I'm not sure. But because I have the electronic version, I can actually search uh, search it. And I typed in the word fellowship, and this, the, the word appears over 60 times in the text of the book, How Al-Anon Works. So it's obviously an important word. Uh, and it's something that is, again, it's sort of one of the the um, legs of the triangle that of service, fellow, uh, service unity and, and recovery. Unity is fellowship. And you may have heard this word fellowship in your first meeting, uh, in the suggested opening words for Al-Anon meetings, which say, we welcome you to this Al-Anon family group and hope you will find in this fellowship the help and pr- friendship we have been privileged to enjoy. And then it goes on to Uh, basically define who is in this fellowship again. We who live or have lived with the problem of alcoholism understand as perhaps few others can. And that's, that's how one of the things that helps to form our fellowship is that, that we understand where you've been or you understood where I had been going on. We too were lonely and frustrated. And that is so true of me before I came into the program. I was lonely. I was isolating. I was full of shame. I was frustrated, angry, and so on. Um, don't need to go through the litany of emotions again. We, we too were lonely and frustrated, but in Al-Anon, we discover that no situation is really hopeless and that it is possible for us to find contentment and even happiness whether the alcoholic is still drinking or not. I didn't believe that promise. I thought that would be really, really neat, but I didn't believe it was ever going to happen for me. But again, you know, you guys were there and you showed me from your own situation that this was possible. And so that gave me some hope. Continues. 
We urge you to try our program. It has helped many of us find solutions that lead to serenity. So much depends on our own attitudes, and as we learn to place our problem in its true perspective, we find it loses its power to dominate our thoughts and our lives. Again, a promise. A promise of what happens if we stay in fellowship. So how does this work? How does this we program work? How does the we part of the program work? I can only speak really from my own experience. And it started with my first meeting. It started with walking into my first meeting full of pain, not really knowing what I was going to find there, not knowing if it was going to help me, scared that I would see somebody that I knew because I was still isolated and isolating. Uh, I sat right by the door, so if I decided I was, I was going to leave, I could. And I didn't. I didn't leave. Somehow, through what was said in the meeting, and nothing was said directly to me, this was a, a, a no crosstalk meeting, as it, as many of our meetings are. Nobody talked directly to anybody else. Everybody sh- just shared their own experience, strength, and hope. And and at the end of that meeting, I somehow knew that everybody in that room got it. That everybody in that room knew where I was coming from. That everybody in that room knew what was going on in my life. They knew at at a deep level. They didn't necessarily know the details, but that if I were to, were to somehow be able to talk about it, they would get it, and they wouldn't judge me, and they would they would be there with me. And that feeling of not being alone anymore, not being a solitary I, but maybe, just maybe being part of a we, was so important. It was so overwhelming, really, that I had to come back. I had to come back, and I and I did keep coming back. And as I came back, as I started to listen to what the rest of us in the meeting were saying, um, I started to find points of commonality with other people. This person was had an alcoholic spouse. Um, this person's loved one was still was still out. This person's loved one had relapsed. And and I started to find these points of commonality, and I started to see people who had been where I was and who were not feeling as I was, that I was becoming part of a fellowship. I started to, to stay after the meeting and talk to people. Um, I started to find some friendship in that fellowship. And I started to, to find that, as it says in our closing we love you in a very special way. I started to, to see that love in action. I saw that love in action when after about a month in the program, somebody came up to me after a meeting and said, you're smiling. I have not seen you smiling before. And just the fact that somebody had noticed both that I wasn't smiling before and that I was smiling that day, you know, that gave me a very connected feeling, a very warm feeling that you know, there's a special kind of love there for somebody to notice that. And so I started to come into the fellowship, and I started to, as as the saying goes, I started to want what you had. I started, I, I saw people who whose situation was maybe no better than what mine seemed like, but who were not in despair, who were not in anger all the time, but who actually had found some happiness and serenity. And I started to want that. And so then it came to, well, how does that happen? And what I heard was come to meetings, read the literature, get a sponsor, work the steps. And so I did those things. I I asked somebody to be my sponsor because I think we had had a meeting about sponsorship. And at the end of the meeting, I walked up to somebody and said, Hey, will you be my sponsor? And at the beginning I didn't, didn't really use my sponsor much for working the program. I used my sponsor for sort of crisis intervention when, when something I didn't know how to deal with the situation. I had somebody I could call and somebody who knew my story a little bit, at least who I didn't have to explain the whole situation to before I could jump into the immediate problem and who had a little bit, at least a little bit more experience and in my case, significantly more experience than I did, although almost anybody in the room had significantly more experience than I did at that point, um, and could could give me some of the wisdom of the program, 
could give me something maybe from their own experience that I could take and use or choose not to that again made it more of a we i was not alone when i didn't know what to do when my loved one said she didn't want to live i i had somebody i could call and say what should i do who could give me some some experience uh, and some pointers uh, some to could say well do you know if there's a plan I said no i don't think so well, you probably don't actually need to do anything. If it's just sort of angst, it's not, I'm going to do this, I have the means and the, and, and the, and the plan. And that was helpful. That was very helpful. Because who could I call? I couldn't, I couldn't just call a random friend and say, hey, yeah, so my loved one wants to kill herself, maybe. Uh, that would not have worked, but sponsor, it worked with. Or somebody else in the program. And... And I took plenty. I started to take program calls. I started to get people calling me, and I'm like, "Well, I don't know, but you know, I can listen. Um, I can share what little I know." And sometimes all that all that I wanted to do sometimes when I would call somebody is just just sort of talk about it. I didn't necessarily need an answer. I just needed somebody I could talk to. Again, we we somebody outside myself, somebody some voice that is not mine is sometimes all that I need. I started working the steps, and I started working the steps with a group, and and I think there was two reasons for that for me. One is uh, sort of a safety and numbers approach, uh, but for me, another important thing was accountability, that I had accountability to the us, the we that were part of that group uh, that was working the steps together that kept me going. Not only are we there to support each other, but sometimes we're there to to be accountable to each other. We're there to sort of push each other. And that, that can be helpful to get through those, those steps that maybe I don't think I want to do. But when somebody else is there doing it with me, that keeps me going. There was a lot that happened in that group. We started out eight strangers. Uh, Maybe we sort of knew each other from being at meetings, but we didn't really know each other at all. And we f- I found in that group a very special kind of trust that I could really talk about anything in that group and and I would be accepted and that I would find that almost always no matter what it was I was not alone in in my feelings in my actions in my um, character defects in my shortcomings that is huge also we think that at least I thought that I was uniquely broken, and what I discovered was no. Um, that everybody else is is just as broken in maybe different ways. I'm not. I'm not worse. I'm not better. Um, we are human, and finding that we and that group was really, really important to get me through the steps, to get me through that scary inventory and in step four to discover that. Actually, doing that inventory was one of the most amazing processes that I have ever been through in my life. Um, to share so much of my innermost self with, with other people was, was totally new to me and brought me to a whole new understanding of fellowship and of we. And that was a place that I could also start to let go of the shame that I was feeling over my supposed inability to fix my loved one. And eventually we come to, to, to step 12, which tells us that we are to carry this message to others. We're to try to carry this message to others, at least. And we do this. It's just us. It's just us broken people who have come to this program in, in despair and fear and anger and frustration, not thinking that we can help anybody because we haven't been able to, to discover that, in fact, we can. We can when we do it with the right tools, the tools that we have learned together. Um, We can carry this message to others. It doesn't have to be a professional addictionist. It doesn't have to be a therapist. It doesn't have to be a psychologist. It's us, we who have been there. We who have lived or have lived with the problem of alcoholism understand as perhaps few others can. Not only do we understand the pain, but we also understand the way out, at least the way out that we've found. That's all I can say is this is the way that I found 
with the help of everybody in the program. Another way that this message is carried by us, for me, is when I sit in a meeting and I listen, I hear the wisdom of the program, I hear the voice of my higher power in your sharing. And that makes it, that makes it us, when I can take what you have shared and I can combine it with what my own experience, strength, and hope, and I can share mine with you, and we can each take it, what the other one knows, what the other one has experienced, what the other one has discovered, what the other one has learned, and we can take that, and we can bring it into ourselves, and we can all heal a little bit more. It's an amazing thing that it just so works. How did I carry this message to others in in my time in Al-Anon? And one of the ways that I started doing that really while I was still in the middle of working the steps was to chair or more often co-chair the newcomers meeting after my home group. I had a, a half hour after my home group meeting, which we invited people who were new to the program to come sit in a smaller circle and have an opportunity to share, maybe share their story that they didn't want to share in the big group. Uh, and to have an opportunity to ask questions, which, of course, doesn't work real well when the meeting has a no-crosstalk rule. And so I would I would help out in this meeting. Um, and I know that doing that helped to carry the message to people. I know that sharing, and I know this because maybe sometimes years later, uh, people told me uh, what they heard from me and how it helped them that just sharing my own experience and listening to theirs helped people to maybe to keep coming to understand how the program could work for them to allay fears. I remember a friend who came in at the time her fiancé was deep in, in his alcoholism, and I shared my story of not leaving my alcoholic wife as she told me later, she found hope in that, that by coming to Al-Anon, she was not necessarily going to have to, to break off her engagement, which, you know, she didn't want to do. And, and had, had she heard, well, you should just leave that SOB, you should leave that broken person, you know, she might not have come back and she might never have found the recovery that she did find. Um, and, you know, I'm not taking credit for it, but I do know from from what she told me that my words helped helped her to make the decision to keep coming and um, you know carrying the message in whatever way we can just sharing ourselves is all we're asked to do and it's all we can do um, and the program tells us that that's enough that that is is what how we carry this program forward and before I was I thought I was ready somebody asked me to be their sponsor. Again, you know, what I've heard is if you have a little bit more time in the program than somebody else, then, you know, you could do it. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty scary. Um, but, you know, all I needed to do, all I needed to do was share my experience, strength, and hope and make it we, make it us, and make it not me and you. I hear you. Gee, I've never been there. Um, but I hear you. That, that sounds like a really tough situation here. Maybe these are some tools that helped me. I've never been in that particular situation, but they helped me in my situation. And maybe one of these will help you in your situation. That's all I have to say as a sponsor. I don't have to fix anything. And in fact, um, I think it's a really good thing to keep in mind if you're asked to be a sponsor, that it is not your job to fix anything. Because, uh, well, I don't know about you, but me, I'm a fixer. I want to fix things. Uh, and 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 being assured that it is not part of the sponsor role to fix things was important to me, because that would be scary. That would be really scary to to have to fix other people that I don't really know. Carrying the message also makes it a we program. Just just sharing with each other. You know, at the end here, I say we because I heal when you share your experience, strength, and hope with me. I heal when I become part of we. I heal when we know who we mean when we say we. And each day, I hope that we become at least one more in this, this fellowship of recovery, this we program. And so I wrote these words this morning, 
and then I went to church. We opened our service with a Gregorian chant titled Ubi Caritas et Amor, and I'm just going to play the first verse or whatever of it for you here. The Latin, Ubi Caritas et Amor, Deus Ibi Est. The translation that I've usually seen uh, says something like, Where love and care abide, God is there. The translation that was offered us this morning was a little bit different. Where we find care and love, that is the location of God. And at first, those words sounded a little stilted to me. The language didn't quite flow as well as where love and care abide, God is there. But when I thought about it, I realized that it it sort of, to me at least, is saying something different. That in fact, love and care are in in a sense what makes God to be there, that God doesn't have to come, that God is there in the love and the care. And I don't think I'm saying it really well, but the first one, the, the more traditional translation sounds like, yeah, you got love and care and God comes. And the second one to me is more when we have, when we care, when we have love that brings God in. That, that God is there in the love and the care. God is not separate that comes. I see that. I see that in this program. I see that in Elanon that that we care and we love each other. We care about and we care for each other in sharing our experience, strength, and hope, not in in an unhealthy way. We love in a very special way, uh, as our closing says. And that brings God in, that brings a higher power in. It brings a connection of spirit in to our meetings, whether it's a one-to-one meeting of sponsor and sponsee or Al-Anon friends, or whether it's a small group of people sitting around a table, a large group of people sitting in a circle, or many, many people sitting in an auditorium. I'm reminded of a AA open talk that I attended in a large auditorium. This auditorium has 200 seats and the seats were all full and people were sitting in the aisles at the side of the auditorium. The speaker was sharing their experience, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, and and came to a point in their story where they had to stop, that they were not able to speak. They had to gather themselves back together from the edge of tears in order to continue with the story. And the 200-plus people in the auditorium were silent. We were there silently in support of this person. There was no rustling, no coughing. That really impressed me that, you know, I could feel the caring and the love in this group of people who came together for recovery, who you know, didn't know each other. Most of us probably didn't know the speaker, but in that moment, we were all united in caring and love and just holding that person up until they could put themselves back together and continue. So where care and love are there, there is the location of God. segment of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. This week. So this week I got sick. I did not make it to my Sunday meeting. I was lucky I recorded the podcast on Saturday because I would not have been in fit shape to record the podcast last Sunday. Uh, it was just a cold, but it, it laid me down for a couple of days. Monday was a holiday and I got to spend it in bed. Oh, well. I didn't, as I said, didn't make it to my Sunday night meeting. I stayed home and um, took care of my nose. And Monday I stayed home and, and took care of my nose. 
And then Monday evening, I had committed to Mark over at Recovered Cast to participate in recording his episode about Step 2. And if you haven't checked out the Recovered podcast yet, Mark does a, a great job, mostly mostly AA guests, but uh, the occasional Al-Anons. And in fact, in the Step 2 episode, there were three Al-Anons and an AA as guests. So you might get a little bit more of the Al-Anon perspective on how our higher power can restore us to sanity in that episode. I encourage you to go check it out at recoveredcast.com. And he's doing all 12 steps in the first 12 episodes or the first 12 weeks of the year. So he started with step one and then step two. And the next episode will be step three and so on. Uh, I encourage you to check it out. In consequence of of having a cold and recovering from a cold, I was not able to make my usual exercise schedule, which is also part of taking care of myself. But, you know, sometimes one thing has to give way for another. And in this case, improving my physical health had to uh, give way to just sort of keeping my physical health. I only made it to the gym twice this week. Oh, well... Um, but I did make it Friday morning. And again, that was one of those things I woke up. I woke up early because the dog wanted to go out and it was like five thirty, And I thought, well, I could get up and I could go to the gym and I think I feel okay. And I, and I did, and I went and, you know, probably didn't work out quite as hard as, as I could have, uh, still, you know, a little bit of stuffiness and so on, but, but I was able to do it. And it's something that is part of my program to take care of myself, to keep my commitments. You know, I talked at the beginning of the year about one of my values being keeping keeping the commitments my, I make, whether it's a commitment to myself or a commitment to other people. And, and I made a commitment to myself to, to exercise, uh, to improve my body health, so that hopefully I can keep my, myself for a long time still. Uh, and I went back on Saturday, and I achieved a you could call it a milestone, I suppose. I, I ran, pretty much ran, uh, an 11-minute mile on the treadmill, which is something I don't think I have ever in my life done. So that felt very good to do that. Of course, I posted it on Facebook. Got a couple of likes. One of them was for my wife, of course. Uh, and Saturday morning, I uh, went to my Saturday morning meeting. We were talking about Step 10. Uh, there was some really good sharing around the table. I shared the insight that I had had the week before uh, in my annual review with my boss that I really need both the sort of step 10 continuing to take inventory on a regular basis um, because that enables me to see and fix things or to see things that that I've done well, but more often I'm seeing things that I did wrong because that's just the way I see myself, right? Uh, It enables me to see things and fix them uh, while they're still fresh, uh, while they don't have time to to fester and molder and and grow into resentments uh, and grow into fear and grow into real awkwardness with the person that I feel that I've hurt that I haven't made amends to yet. But that I also need to occasionally stop and look back and look at the big picture. You know, how have I done over the last year? Because I think I'm more likely to see progress when I look at it over a longer time period. And and I'm also more likely to see maybe continuing patterns of character defect if I look over look at it over a long time. Because in any given instance of a character defect rearing its head, I can say, well, that was an exception. But if I, if I can look back over a year or so and say, you know, um, I still have anger outbursts. And, and this year, I had fewer than I did last year. And so that's progress. But they're still there. And I, this is something that I can't stop asking my higher power to take from me. Right? That's, that was sort of my thoughts around, around Step 10 yesterday morning. Looking forward to uh, possibly meeting with a sponsee later today. Not exactly clear from his texts, whether we're meeting or whether we're just sort of saying hi at, at our meeting this evening. 
looking forward to my meeting tonight where with a little bit of trepidation, I will be setting out flyers about the upcoming open talk titled The Impact of Alcoholism and Addiction on Intimacy and Sexual Relationships, which I will be one of a panel of five at this talk. If you happen to be in Southeast Michigan, I encourage you to set aside Friday, February 5th, 2016 to attend this talk, which will be um, at 7.30 at the Zion Lutheran Church in Ann Arbor on Friday, February 5th. I'll put a link to the flyer in the show notes at therecoveryshow.com. Love to see you there. Come and say hi to me if you come. But some trepidation, I'm still, have not really started working on what I'm going to say. I need a 10-minute share, uh, but I have been thinking about how and what I want to talk about. Um, And uh, I'll probably then share that with you on the podcast afterwards. So if you can't come, you at least get to hear my part for what it's worth. Ha. That's pretty much my week in recovery, I think. Uh, not, Not so much this week, just taking care of myself while I was sick mostly. Upcoming topics, I've been thinking about a series of episodes about the gifts of Al-Anon, which are found in From Survival to Recovery, the book, From Survival to Recovery, and and somebody split them out into um, 12 or 13 different gifts uh, on, on a website that I have linked in the past couple of episodes in the show notes. And the first one that, that they split out is, we will become more mature, responsible individuals with a great capacity for joy, fulfillment, and wonder. Though we may never be perfect, continued spiritual progress will reveal to us our enormous potential. Seems like a, a high a high goal, but what we're told is this this is a gift of working the program, that this will come for us. So I might ask you, how do you see this gift appearing in your life? Or how do you see that maybe you have further to go before it's fully there for you? But I bet if you've been in the program for any any period of time, if you've started to see some recovery, you're starting to see this gift appearing. We welcome your thoughts. We welcome your experience, strength, and hope around this topic. You can join the conversation by leaving us a voicemail or sending an email. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You could call right now, 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail link on the website to join the conversation from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to join our conversation, share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic or our upcoming topics, which might also include, um, I have received an offer from uh, an Al-Anon member to talk about recovery after divorce. And uh, there's a couple other people who have been guest hosts previously that I'm planning to ask if they'd like to participate in that that episode as well. So if if you have that experience and you want to share your your experience, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now with us, um, check out our contact page at therecoveryshow.com slash feedback. And right there, you can find all the different ways to share with us your your story, your questions. The website, which is therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show, which includes notes for each episode, occasional blog links to the things that we talk about in the episodes, and links to other recovery podcasts and websites. So we'll take a little break before we look at um, your email and voicemail. Let's start with a voicemail from Pat. Um, good morning, Spencer and Marna, and thank you so much for the family topic. It really gave me a lot of food for thought. I really appreciate the courage and honesty you both had in your conversation last week. I didn't grow up in an alcoholic home. I grew up in a really loving home, but in the attempt to instill good values in us and the desire to do what we should do. My father used to say, if you do things right, everybody's going to be happy. And that combined with uh, some lines from my religion of origin 
that I really honestly think it's just who I am. I don't think there's hidden alcoholism farther back in my family. I think it's in my nature to have this insecurity maybe. But dial it forward 20 years and put me in an alcoholic relationship and it was a huge setup for codependency. So that was, that was really tough. Uh, the other thing is they had their difficult conversations away from the house so they wouldn't get angry at each other and they'd keep it civil. I went to a particular restaurant. Unfortunately, that meant that I didn't have any good examples of cooperative parenting or cooperative marriage relationships. And in combination with the alcoholism, I came to see things very black and white. If we had two different opinions, it was either my way or his way. And there was no thought of sitting down and talking it out and coming up with a compromise or doing that civilly or what does that look like. It was only when I came to Al-Anon and found recovery that I actually found a way of being a mature adult human being. Being. And I don't know that that isn't what the vast majority of us end up doing with, I don't know how much guidance other people have in those same areas. It really affected my parenting of my kids, and that's something that's one of the hardest things for me to accept. But it's also one of the joys is that at least for these two kids, as young adults of an alcoholic, children of an alcoholic, I'm able to work my program and give them an example of a different way of being. And they get to make their own choices. I know to respect them, to offer my experience, strength, and hope, and then let go and let them make their own choices. So that's such a tiny, tiny bit of all of the thoughts I had, you know, that were triggered by your program. But but thank you so very much again, and you guys both have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Pat, for for that uh, that sharing with us of your, your own experience and how we don't have to come from a highly dysfunctional alcoholic home to still bring stuff with us from our family that doesn't work so well for us uh, in our adult lives. Thank you for your share. I got an email from Barbara who says, Hi, I just wanted to thank you so much for all you do at The Recovery Show. I've recently discovered the podcasts, and as a new member, they've been so helpful to me. I've been struggling with the topic of staying or leaving, and I'm just beginning to actually work the steps. Thank you so much again. While this particular podcast is older, and I think she means by that the the stay or leave podcast, it was very helpful to listen and to see myself in every one of the stories. In particular, the advice of I can stay today is very useful, and the advice of what is healthiest for me. I can see I have a lot of work to do to learn more about the me part of this couple, Barbara. And and thanks, Barbara, for those words. That was sort of a hard episode to do, but I felt it was a really important episode uh, for me to talk about how and why um, I decided to stay in my relationship, but to also to bring in voices from from people who have left. Because many of the people that I hear around the circles, around the tables, have for, have left their left their alcoholic loved one in some way or another. And um, and I wanted to you know present the balance that we don't have to do that. The program is not telling us to leave. We can decide that that is best for us, but it's it's a decision that that we make for ourselves. I think that was really why I why I chose to do that episode. And uh, and I got to say that the the proposed upcoming episode of recovery and divorce would be a nice follow on to that one. Uh, you know, so what happens if you decide to leave? Um, what what problems are gone? What problems stay? Um, I don't know. I haven't been there. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing from people who have. We got a voicemail from Patty. Hey, guys at the Recovery Show. This is Patty in Colorado. 
And I just wanted to tell you again how much I appreciate the podcast. It just really meant a lot to me in the past couple of months. Um, I feel like I know you guys. Um, your your shares and your conversations really they're awesome. I really enjoy it. And sometimes one of you will say something that just it could be the kind of things kind of thing that just stops you in your tracks and then I think about for days afterwards. So, you know, just so you know, you guys really are doing a lot of good for um someone like myself. Um, I think the podcast has really served as a bridge for me. When I started listening to it, I wasn't going to any meetings. I knew a, a bit about 12-step programs in Al-Anon. I had some literature, but that's it. And I was thinking about it and reading and and listening to the podcast, I think, let me um, connect with real people who are doing it, which, you know, you can't do really through literature. It's not the same. But hearing your voices, your struggles, your experience and strength and hope, you know, it definitely sort of caught, uh, you know, it it um it caught me on fire. <laughs> so I've been to four meetings now in a row and um, doing much better. And I still have lots of questions and, you know, things I'm not sure about, about the program. I'm not real good with institutions. Um, <laughs> various things that I, I worry about or I think maybe I don't belong. But then what it really gets down to is if I take the Al-Anon medicine, I get better. When I do what the program says I should do, even just little steps and just... I get better and I don't feel so crazy and I'm not in as much pain. And so <laughs> clearly I belong. And so I'm trying to drop that worry and just say, I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon, like I hear other people say at meetings. So anyway, I love you guys in a very special way. And thank you for doing what you're doing. Bye-bye. Thank you, Patty. And uh, as I say, we are here for you. We are here for us. We are all here for us. Um, I'm glad you uh, glad you found your way to some meetings, um, because one of the things that we are here for is to encourage you if you have not tried Al-Anon, but you're listening to us and hearing things that speak to you here. Um, we encourage you to to try a meeting, and we, we want to make that that experience of trying as easy as possible. Do keep coming back until you really understand and know that this program is for you, or sounds like it is, but only you can make that decision. Charlie writes, monumental podcast episode struck deep chords. Thank you so much for a profoundly moving and meaningful and honest and courageous exploration of family. Saving this one, keep up the good work. And there's a little clapping hands emoji. Thanks, Charlie. You know, those were fun to do. I'd like to do some more. Um, if if you want to talk about your family, uh, about those questions, I think if you've listened to both family episodes, you'll see that they didn't go in the same direction. They might have started out in sort of the same place, but they each went in their own direction as, um, you know, needed for exploration of whatever was going on with with my two co-hosts and and their own experience. So if you'd like to share your experience of family growing up, your experience of family now, your experience of how recovery has changed the stuff you brought with you from your family and maybe has changed the way you relate to your family, I'd love to talk to you. Email feedback at com or call and leave a voicemail and we can talk. Suzanne writes, Spencer, it has been some time since I've written, but I listen to you on a weekly basis. There are so many episodes that have helped me in my recovery from intimacy problems, relapses, sponsorship, divorce, I could go on and on. It has also expanded my Al-Anon program to reach international pathways thanks to co-hosts like Ruth. Thank you for your service in continuing the show through the challenges you have had. I've heard it suggested in Al-Anon meetings that we attend open AA meetings. 
For me, my resentment toward my qualifier prevented me from doing so. However, hearing Mark on your show prompted me to check out Recovered. I'm going to break in for a moment here. So Mark is a friend of mine who actually his podcast, which is named Recovered, and you can find it at recoveredcast.com. Mark inspired me to start the recovery show. Uh, I owe a real debt of gratitude to him for that. Suzanne continues, listening to AA speakers in their recovery helps me to learn about the disease instead of focusing on my pain. I wanted to share another resource I have located called storiesofrecovery.org. There are some amazing talks on this site about recovery. In the Sandy B. collection, there are talks about the history of AA, the Oxford Group, and the future of AA. I feel you might really appreciate these talks if you have not already heard them. It inspired me to write, and thank you for your service continuing the recovery show. Not only are you bringing Al-Anon into the 21st century, but you're providing a history of the Al-Anon program contributing to the continuation of a divinely inspired program that saves so many people. Thank you for being a constant reminder that I am no longer alone living with this insane disease of alcoholism. Blessings to you, Suzanne. Thanks, Suzanne. Um, that's that's a, a new um, site for me, the storiesofrecovery.org. I'll stick a link in the show notes, and I will go check it out. There are there are a number of sites out there that that collect uh, recovery talks, uh, open talks, um, speaker talks, whatever you want to call them, and I'm sure that I have heard some of them and probably uh, haven't heard some of them. So um, another resource. Thank you. Kenny called and left us a voicemail. Hello, how are you guys doing today? Uh, I am Kenny. Really don't know what to say, but I was just compelled to call. The recovery show has really helped me. So much in so many different areas, I can't even I- imagine. I learned a little bit about Al-Anon, didn't have a whole lot of, of knowledge um, prior to uh, stumbling upon your podcast, but um, it's, it's really helped shape uh, how I view situations, how I view myself. Um, I've kind of started at the at the very beginning and have been kind of breezing through a lot of the, the earlier shows and have really experienced a significant amount of, of healing, uh, even to, to, to the point of actually, you know, seeking out and finding and going to, uh, to Alan, local Alanine meetings myself. So I don't know. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you guys so much for what you do. Thank you guys so much for, uh, impacting me as well as, uh, anybody else listening to the show. I, I sincerely appreciate the, the healing that, that I've received. So thank you. Okay, that's it. Bye. Thanks, Kenny. I appreciate it. And uh, glad to hear that, that you also found some local meetings that uh, are uh, are working for you. That's great. Got uh, a short email from Karen. Um, Karen writes, I can't recall whether you had done a program on sponsorship recently. And the answer to that, Karen, is no. I haven't done one recently. I think we did one somewhere between episodes 10 and 20. That was a while ago. She says, I am doing the lead at a meeting in early February on this topic, and I thought I'd forward you my notes for what it's worth. And I just got to say, Karen, um, looking at them, that it's definitely worth. Um, thank you so much. Uh, you know, inspiring me to uh, do another episode on sponsorship because, yeah, it's time to talk about that, isn't it? Especially since I just talked about it a little bit in, in today's program. Sponsorship is one of the things that makes this a we program. She continues, I heard you on Mark's Recovered podcast recently. I like his mobile rig and the short recording he posted about Soaring Eagle Andrew. I would I would encourage you to, to go over to recoveredcast.com and it's a very it's a short episode, it's like, I don't know, four or five minutes, where Mark recorded that just after he came out from a recovery meeting and about an experience he had in there where it was very clear that his higher power put him there to help somebody else who was new and struggling. Just go listen to it. I'm not going to tell you anymore. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show. We do have expenses, which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Michelle did. And thank you, Michelle, for your continuing support. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page or on the menu if you're on a phone or a tablet. 
If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support, whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, send them to therecoveryshow.com, or just listening. We are here for you. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.